How's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to the landmark milestone 350th episode of X-Lapsed, where, boy, I wish we were meeting under uh, under more pleasant uh, circumstances here. Um, you see, a funny thing happened to me on the way to the dentist yesterday. Actually, a funny thing happened at the dentist yesterday. I just didn't realize it for a few hours. Um, I went in for, you know, routine cleaning, you know, usual stuff there, and, uh, Got home, and about three hours later, I got a phone call from them to inform me that, uh, well, I had been exposed to COVID. Again, um, my hygienist uh, went to lunch and came back feeling really, really bad. She took a, uh, a test and came back positive. So, well, I guess that uh, kind of maps out the next few days of my life. Um, <laughs> we're not taking any chances this time. Uh when uh, we, when the wife and I last contracted this uh, a few weeks ago, um, it was the worst, you know, sickness I, I think I've ever dealt with, at least in my adult life. And uh, but still, you know, at the end of the day, it was it could have been far worse. Of course, the wife though she she is still dealing with the fallout of it, uh, even you know two and change weeks later. So I don't want to risk, you know, re infecting her, so I've uh, taken to quarantining myself on one side of my house, which it's a lot harder than I thought it would be. You know, it's like I'm still at home, but it's like I'm in like a different room. It's, you know, it's a different air conditioner. It's just, it's very, very bizarre. And, uh, I mean, you, you discover things about your house that you never realize, like certain sounds on one side of the house aren't the same as sounds on the other. And, uh, you know, I discovered that the the bed that we have in our guest room is maybe just a little bit less comfortable than sleeping on a sharp pile of rocks. Um, very, very poor night's sleep. So naturally, I wake up with a splitting headache, and I don't know if it's due to the fact that, uh, you know, I was laying on stones or if I'm getting sick again. And my throat is scratchy, but I don't know if I'm just imagining it, or if I'm sick, or if, uh, like I said, it's a different air conditioner, and maybe it's drier air on that side of the house, maybe that's what's causing this. So, um, yeah, just not in a good way <laughs> this morning for our big, uh, spectacular 350th episode, but, um, as always, we will, uh, make the best of what we've got. And what we've got, unsurprisingly, since this is a landmark milestone episode, it's, uh, it's an issue of Wolverine. It always turns out to be an issue of Wolverine. Anytime we have a big round number, Wolverine's involved. So um, it comes as no surprise to me that uh, episode 350 is, in fact, Wolverine Volume 7, Number 20. 
which had a June 2022 cover date and no legacy number. You know, we've had legacy numbers since uh, Wolverine turned... Hey, actually, he turned 350. So we've had that for probably a dozen or so issues of this volume. We've had the legacy number, but now in the new Destiny of X era, we ain't got no time for that. So uh, we're back at our volume 7 numbering here. Wolverine number 20. The issue is called Trigger Warning, written by Benjamin Percy, with art by Adam Kubert. Colors, Frank Martin and Diho Lima. Letters, VCs Corey Petit, designs Muller and Bowen. Edits, Baumgartner, Basso, White, Sabolski, cover price 4 bucks. This one went on sale April 20, 2022. And we open with some wonderfully laid out pages of Wolverine on his motorcycle chasing down a truck full of C4. Um, these pages here, it's hard for me to explain them. It's almost like a... I don't want to say stained glass uh, sort of a motif. It, they, they're really, really beautiful, though. They're very, very well done. And, uh, you know, even though they are highly stylized here, you don't miss any of the action here. It's It tells the story. Uh, you can follow the story, and it's just amazing to look at. Now, the narration we get over the course of these few pages is being delivered by Deadpool. Now, he remarks about how Logan doesn't really cotton to being a team player despite the fact that he's, like, you know, a card-carrying member of, like, all of them. Uh, Wade even casually mentions the Justice League here, which, hey, you know, there's one that Wolverine's not a part of. Yet. Um, Deadpool also chats about how bitter he is about not being allowed on Krakoa and how he considers himself as being, quote, practically a founding member of X-Force, which, of course, isn't true or even... Anywhere near accurate, though I'm sure folks who weren't reading comics back when X-Force launched probably believe that to be the case. Then again, most of them probably would be shocked to find out that Deadpool's not a mutant in the first place. Anyway, from here, we get like a walkthrough of um, several of uh, Wade's attempts to make landfall on Krakoa. First, we see him try parachuting in, and he's shot down by like bio-missile gimmicks of uh, forges here. And we'll see more attempts after the... Double-page spread of Roll Call and Cred. Our characters today are Wolverine and Deadpool. Back to comics. Now, Wade tries to piggyback on Cyclops in order to pass through a Krakoan gate. He stows away in a barrel of hooch on board the Marauder. He swam up, he surfed up, but no go. He's tried dressing up like Wolverine. He's tried to be an X-Force cheerleader, to which uh, Quentin Quire suggests that Wade is um, maybe a little bit out of style. Now, he even followed Logan into space in order to beg him to join the team outside the summer house. But still, no. No go. Now, this is cute and all, right? But it kind of forgets about the time that Wade did get onto Krakoa, back in that wonderful issue of Deadpool. It was Deadpool Volume 8, Number 6, and we discussed that one way back in Episode 101. There, he stowed away inside like a jelly mutant. I don't remember his name. But uh, Jeff the Landshark, the first time we ever met him on the show here, he came for the trip as well. He latched himself onto uh, Wade's butt cheek as he was getting into that jelly mutant, and uh, they were able to pass through the gate together, which eh, kind of pulls me out of the story here when they forget about something like that, especially when that, uh, you know, Deadpool number 6 was such an enjoyable issue. Such a fun story, such a heartfelt story at the end of the day, and here it's as though it didn't even happen. Then again, I think Deadpool might have been a different editorial, you know, office, and, I mean, we know the X-Men editors don't talk to one another, so 
stands to reason that outside of the X-Men office, they ain't talking to anybody either, unless to, they're maybe getting together for lunch to take pictures of their food and post them on social media. Anyway, back to it, and we follow Wade into a comic book store, so he can flip through the back issue bin. Now, he talks about how he used to be the king of Staten Island, which I don't remember that story actually ending. More like it kind of just stopped. Um, I don't know if there was a resolution. If there was, I don't know it. I don't remember it. Anyway, in the bins, he finds New Mutants number 98, Deadpool number 1, his first ongoing series, and the first issue of Uncanny X-Force. And you see, the gimmick here is that Deadpool doesn't even have his own series now, which, considering what a, you know, pop culture sensation he's become, is kind of weird, isn't it? Then again, you know, Deadpool never seems to sell the way you would think he would. You know, I mean, considering just how many Deadpool fanatics are out there nowadays. Though I guess there is a big difference between buying a Funko Pop and maybe a rear windshield decal of Deadpool rather than actually plopping down a $5 bill on a 16-page comic book. Anyway, Deadpool then shoots up some CGC-slabbed Wolverine Volume 7 number ones. To which I say, good, screw those things. Current year comics should not be slabbed because they're not worth anything. Even when you slab them, they're not, they're not valuable. You're, you're concocting a phony collectible. I think outside of Golden Age books that might actually turn to dust if you looked at them, we don't need to be slabbing comics at all. And I mean, I'm just one idiot here, and I ain't going to change anything, but uh, I think comics are supposed to be read. Go figure. I know, that's my, that's my hot take there. Anyway, from here, back to the book. We head back to Deadpool's apartment, and we're reintroduced to Blind Alfred. And we haven't seen her in, like, forever. Huh. Anyway, Wade is still kvetching about not being allowed on Krakoa. His pad is decked out to depict him as quite the big fan of Wolverine. He's got posters, rugs, cosplay, and action figures all over the place. He even cracks open the fridge to fetch himself a Bub Light beer, which is kind of cute. He then chats us up about how we're probably going to tweet at hashtag XSpoilers to complain about this not being a Wolverine comic. And he says that those tweets will get three likes, which is pretty optimistic if you ask me. By the way, by the way, if you're out there tweeting hashtag X-Spoilers, maybe consider not, because you're, you're actually ruining comics for people, and you're, you're not really adding anything. Anyway, Wolverine slices through the page here, insisting that this is more than enough Deadpool. From here, we hop into an info page, and it's our old favorite, the Ben Percy Special, which is to say it's a page of dialogue nobody felt like drawing. And it's a debriefing on Zlato. Zlato. Back to comics, and we're over to the point where Sage and Wolverine are chatting up current events. We're filled in on Maverick, The Legacy House, Dolores What's-Her-Face, Logan's Stolen Hand, Terra Verde, Manslaughter, Weapon Plus. It's basically a mishmash of stories and danglers from the current X-Force and Wolverine volumes. Now, Wolverine decides that he wants his hand back. We saw that at The Legacy House up on the auction block, right? And he suggests that it might actually be an artifact from another timeline especially considering everything he'd just gone through during his time-hopping sessions in Zlato's Lado, right? And, you know, also maybe the fact that he doesn't remember having lost a hand. Anyway, Sage decides to play along and hacks into the CIA computer network. She's able to deduce that Dolores What's-Her-Face handed off a briefcase to... some dude. Um, now, she pinpoints the time and location of some sort of rendezvous point, and so Logan heads out. Back to Wade. Now, he's getting some advice and a top-secret notebook from Blind Al. 
she encourages him to help out the mutants and maybe treat it like it's an audition. Which, I mean, didn't we just recently read like an eight-part story in X-Men Unlimited where he kind of already did that? Are we the only idiots actually reading that? Maybe. Info page, and this info page is written by Deadpool. Now, it's him trying to add to the canon here, to continuity. And he suggests that this issue should be called Deadpool and Wolverine Number 1, to which I'd say give him a minute. You know, I'm sure it's coming. This line isn't quite bloated enough just yet. Back to Logan. Now, he arrives at Chesapeake Bay via Gateway. Not a Krakoan Gateway, the actual aboriginal stone-swinging Gateway. Here, he happens upon a clearing full of dead mutant bodies, including his own. Well, they're actually robots. Except for Deadpool, who's not a robot and also not a mutant. He's just laying there in the flesh. Now, the LMDs include Wolverine, Jean Grey, Colossus, Gold Balls, and Tempest. Now, I'm not sure if these are just like rando picks, or if there's an actual reason for these particular characters being here. Anyway, Logan asks Deadpool what just happened. And Wade says that they'll cover that next issue in a flashback. He then shows Wolverine the briefcase he'd been looking for. And after Logan severs the briefcase man's hand, he was, he was handcuffed to the case, by the way, Deadpool swipes it and starts to run off, suggesting that Logan follow him right away. Now, considering that a CIA helicopter starts firing at them, Logan might be wise to listen. We wrap up with Wade telling Logan that he has no idea the danger he's in, which takes us to... Uh, danger. You all remember Danger? Of course you do. She was from that uh, disgustingly overrated Whedon run that we all pretend we love so much. Anyway, she's here looking at a bunch of monitors, and that is where we leave it. Next time out, I believe we are rounding out the Destiny of X books with Legion of X number one. So once that episode's under our belts, we will have read, I believe, every single new book. So maybe we'll have a fun discussion at the end of that. Um, Maybe we won't. I don't know. But uh, that's next time. For now, let's chat a bit about this issue, which maybe it's uh, it's going to be a very brief um, second half of the show here. Uh, It's a Wolverine book. It's Ben Percy. It's what I always seem to say. Um, It's a perfectly enjoyable story. Had a few chuckle moments but there really isn't a whole heck of a lot to say about it. You know, that's one of the challenges when it comes to uh, a book like Wolverine. They can be fun to read. They're like they're popcorn comics, right? You're not going to get heavy or deep analysis in one of these issues, really. It's just a collection of, you know, fun action scenes uh, tied together with a little bit of narrative. It's, it's hard to really come up with more than that. I, like I said, I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it. I've... Uh, I've really missed having Deadpool as part of the the X universe, right? He's he's kind of outgrown the X Men, or at least Marvel's trying to make him outgrow the X Men. Uh, his rise to fame in the mainstream kind of came at the same time that Marvel was throwing their temper tantrum and, and was basically trying to stomp the X Men down the drain. You know, so there was a bit of a uh, a disconnect there. They wanted to promote Deadpool because Deadpool was starting to take off on the mainstream. But they couldn't have him with the X-Men because, you know, don't look over there. Don't look at the X-Men. Look at the Avengers. (laughs) We have movie rights for them. Those are the characters we want you to care about, not these goofs over here. So it's definitely neat to see Wade back in in an X-Book here. And an actual, you know, printed X-Book rather than whatever X-Men Unlimited is supposed to be. Uh, I mean, 
Marvel themselves aren't even recognizing those stories Unless they're being reprinted, you know I, I think once they're reprinted, then they're legitimate And then, you know, we can count them as part of the continuity Until then, though, it's, you know, did they happen? Did they not happen? Or are they even worth mentioning? Apparently not But really, what more is there to say about this one? Uh, the art was was phenomenal uh, You gotta see the art in this book here um, Adam Kubert is... Um, it, it's it's so it's so cool having a creator like Adam Kubert because I feel like I've kind of grown up with him. Um, he started in the '80s, I believe, uh, doing some random stuff for DC. But I, I, when I really took notice of him is when Jim Lee left the X Men books and the Image Exodus, and uh, the Kuberts were brought in to the uh, to the flagships. And I, I mean, his art was great then. You know, the both Kuberts, their art was wonderful. Even back then, 1991-1992 But to see just how... Like, I can't even call what the what their art looks like now As being an evolution or an improvement In so much as it was always very, very good But it's got like... I don't know, it's got something extra to it now Like, it's just... It's hard for me to put into words But it's it's just... It's wonderful stuff And it makes this book feel like almost an event... Unto itself I remember uh, around the time of the New 52 You know, DC had kind of They'd kind of set a precedent Where they weren't going to do a crossover for a little while You know, they were going to let these books Kind of establish themselves Let this new universe, you know, after they flushed The old one down the toilet Kind of take shape before they bothered Us with big massive crossovers And so Knowing that It was I mean, that's a good thing and a bad thing, right? You know, you, you, you know, event fatigue is a very real thing. We're about to go into the Axe Judgment Day thing, and we're already tired of it. <laughs> you know, it's the fatigue is there for sure. But at the same time, when someone like a Dan DiDio says, hey, we're not doing crossovers for a while, it, it might sound hypocritical of me, but it was just like, okay, then, then what's, you know, what are we getting at? You know, it's like, I, I'm okay with the one event a year, maybe one event every two years, but like, when we were told, hey, there's no event on the on the horizon here, you know, we I think we had to wait for, boy, what was the, th- something, Trinity of something, what, that, Trinity War was it, maybe? I don't know, it was like two and a half years into the New 52. Anyway, my point here. Um, it was hard for me to look at any of these New 52 books as being event-worthy, you know? It just felt like, okay, this is just another another chapter, and... We didn't have any continuity yet, so it was just like these random chapters that really didn't matter. And then I would read a book like uh, Snyder and Capullo's Batman, which always felt kind of like an event. And I, I put a lot of that on Greg Capullo's art, because it was just so special. It was so wonderful, and it made any book that he's a part of feel like it was, you know, bumped up a notch or two. And here with Wolverine... Like I said, it's a fun action book Not really adding a whole heck of a lot But the fact that we have Adam Kubert art on here In my head Bumps it up a few notches Bumps it up a few rungs And makes it seem like a real can't miss Sort of a book I really can't say enough good things About how this book looks So um, so I won't <laughs> I won't even try Just uh, if you buy this book If you see this book you know, digitally 
I think you'll really, really enjoy the way it looks. It's just wonderful, wonderful stuff. My other main takeaways from this issue kind of fall in the, you know, um, what's that? Uh, what's that overused thing? You know, old man yelling at a cloud, because <laughs> uh, it makes me feel very grumpy. It makes me feel like I'm, I'm a little too old for this hobby here when. I'm rolling my eyes at seeing CGC slabbed comics in a book. Um, I'm trying not to projectile vomit seeing hashtag X spoilers in an X-Men book. You know, because, no, please just stop. Because even though you're using a spoiler hashtag, you're still spoiling things. You're not saving anybody from seeing what you are ruining for them. Right? I, I, and it's and far be it for me to tell people how to be fans and how to you know, celebrate their fandom. But maybe show a little bit of respect for people who haven't yet read the books. At least, you know, give us a, give us a couple days. You know, at, uh, at 12.01 a.m. Wednesday, don't hashtag X spoilers and ruin books that people haven't gotten the opportunity to go out to the store and buy just yet. I guess uh, the unfortunate bit of that is that people aren't buying these books anymore. There's <laughs> only some of us who are. Uh, a lot of people are following them. They're just not actually plunking down money to, uh, to do so. So the spoilers are really all they need. My last run-in with the hashtag XSpoiler was one of those 12.01 a.m. Wednesday tweets where, or it was actually an Instagram post, where uh, it was revealed that the Scarlet Witch was killed at the end of X-Factor number 10. And I could have chucked my phone into the wall. I was so annoyed. A, because I was spoiled, and B, because the person who spoiled it just did it to get likes. And it was just like, what do you get out of that? <laughs> what what is it what kind of I, I know there's a dopamine you know boost when you see someone like something that you put out there but is it really worth going out of your way to ruin the experience for other people I guess it is I guess it is uh that's not something you have to worry about from me <laughs> I'm not gonna do that even though I was spoiled on the Scarlet Witch I did not pass the savings down to anybody who listens to this show I wouldn't do that to you but here in this book seeing hashtag X spoilers be legitimized in print makes me want to throw up a little bit. So yes, a lot of curmudgeonly takeaways from this issue, despite the fact that I liked it very much. Um, I've already said my piece on CGC slabs here. I I feel like we're always in search of the next collectible. And since people don't value comics anymore, we need to artificially give them value. And we do that in the form of the incentivized variants, and we do that with CGC slabs. I mean, how many CGC 9.6 slabs do you need before you realize that there really is no scarcity of them? You know, uh, collectability and value is usually predicated on scarcity. Scarcity plus demand is what makes prices go up. And here, it's like, (laughs) I've been to shops where they have boxes full of 9.6s. It's like, why do we, why? (laughs) Why? And you you get it, and what do you do with it? You put it in a box. It's, uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah, curmudgeonly Chris here. I'll be here all weekend. Um, Tip the veal, try the waitress. Um, What else? I suppose my main takeaway, uh, as it pertains to disappointment, has to do with the fact that it was as though uh, Deadpool number six never happened. You know, of course, we read that one back in episode 101, 
it was a very, very good issue. It was what turned me on to the Kelly Thompson Deadpool and, and into Kelly Thompson in general here. I went back and grabbed her West Coast Avengers, all the Jeff the Landshark appearances. I became hooked. I became a big fan of this creator and her characters. And it was all because of this one issue, because it was just so well done. It had been years since I'd read Deadpool at that point. I had kind of dismissed him as no longer being part of the X family, which is you know, kind of by design, if we go by how Marvel had been presenting him over the past several years. But I was not expecting anything out of that issue, and boy, uh, it was just so much fun. Deadpool feeling left out, you know, feeling like a kinship with the X-Men, like his roots are with the X-Books here, and him trying to come back, and him actually going before Emma Frost, and it was just such... A a wonderful, heartfelt... You know, we talk about the nebulous nature of heart in comics. And that issue had so much of it. It was overflowing with it. Wade was actually funny. Wade was actually sympathetic. You felt bad for him. And that's like a tough balance to kind of walk there. You know, we have a character who is very sarcastic, very silly, very funny but also is one that you can relate to on so many different levels. And uh, Thompson absolutely knocked it out of the park with that issue. And here, in the interest of cramming a few pages full of sight gags, it's as though it never happened in the first place. And of course, the sight gags were all very, you know, beautifully rendered, but I'd still have preferred it get at least a little bit of a nod that that story actually happened. But, um... I think that's about all I have to say about this issue. I got a a lot more out of it than I thought I would. Um, Hopefully, hopefully I didn't veer into vamping. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to curb my vamping an awful lot here. Uh, I know that there have been episodes where I've just gone on and on and on. And and even in explaining this, I'm going on and on and on. But um, rest assured, I am trying not to do that. I'm trying to be concise and to respect everybody's time. So in the interest of all that, how about I, you know, shut up? Um, of course, everything I said today, just my opinions here. I would love to hear your opinions, uh, not only on this issue in this series and these characters, but what are your thoughts on CGC slabs? What are your thoughts on hashtag X spoilers? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Are you as, as much of a curmudgeon as I am, or are you, uh, a lot more fun to be around than I am? I, I think a lot of people probably are. In any event... Please reach out. You can find me several different ways. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics, and make sure you hashtag no X spoilers or stop X spoilers or F X spoilers. Uh, I'm kidding, of course. Uh, you can find me also on Instagram at 90sXmen. You can send an email to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. You can also call into the voicemail hotline at 623-396-JERK. For blog posts and show notes, you can head over to chrisisoninfiniteearths.com. You can chat us up on Facebook. Our little group is 90s X-Men. Of course, the complete audio archives, including all 350 episodes of X-Lapsed, you can find them at chrisandreggie.podbean.com, and that populates everywhere. The internet aggregates noise and sound. But that will do it for today. I do want to take a moment here to thank everybody for joining me on this 350-episode journey here. I mean, 350 episodes, that's a lot. Though at the same time, that and, you know, five bucks might get me a coffee somewhere. But all the same, I cannot adequately put into words what it means to me that there are folks who have been with me from the very beginning and continue to listen and engage and just allow me to spend a little bit of time with them each and every day. So thank you all. 
so, so much. I, I love you all, and um, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya. Oh